Here's Steph Curry with the shot. Ben cooking with the sauce. Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Live from the 301. Live from the pot. I want to welcome my audience to episode number 80 of Curry in the Pot. Yes, you heard that correctly. Episode number 80 of Curry in the Pot. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I made it this far. I just want to thank everybody that's been rocking with me since day one. Even the people that came along and have continued to rock with me, you know, throughout this journey. I want to thank all of you guys from the bottom of my heart. I really made it to episode number 80 and it's just been truly amazing. And I, I got I got a lot for you guys today. I got a big episode coming at you guys with that I'm coming at you guys with. I got a big episode I got a special guest, and I also have a, a little little March Madness stuff to talk about, and I also have a recap of NFL free agency that I want to dive into, so I'm definitely going to do that for you guys, but again, I want to thank everyone for the continued support, all the love and support, it means a lot, I truly, truly appreciate it, I can't believe I made it to episode 80, I was so nervous and timid. In my early episodes, some of you guys haven't even heard, but my early episodes, I was real timid, you know, shy, you name it. Didn't even have background music for a lot of my episodes till like episode 30 something. But I'm just blessed and fortunate, you know, that I made it this far. Episode 80 is here. I got a thousand more to go. So without further ado, I got a very special guest, guys. So, guys, I have a very special guest on the line uh, for many of you guys in the DMV area, you know, this is really big. This is huge for me, but I got a former a former Gonzaga player, and he was all met in 1986, and he went on to play at Georgetown from 1987 to 1990. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome Mr. Mark Tillman to the, to the program. Mark, how's it going? Man, it's going good, man. I appreciate you. You know, having me on your show is an honor just to be on your show today to talk some basketball or whatever you want to talk about outside <laughs> of basketball. All right, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. Uh, I definitely, definitely appreciate it. And shout out to Mr. Xavier Red for setting this up. Couldn't have done this without him. So how, how's it going today, Mark? How, how, how's life going? I mean, life is good, man. You get this. Travel around and see your kids, watch them grow up, man. I, I, it's like no other. I don't know if you have any kids, but nah, not I'm yet, man. <laughs> I will say that, but I've been blessed, man, to, to see them grow and, and watch them grow and attend everything that they have at their schools, man. It's just really been a blessing. It really has. Most definitely. So how, how old are your kids? What ages? Uh, my son is 10 and my daughter's 13. Okay, that's great, man. That, that, that's, that's amazing. So I got a bunch of questions. As you know, uh, the tournament starts tomorrow. Well, the first four started last night, but it really, you know, Really gets big tomorrow. And uh, you played at Georgetown for four years. You were fortunate enough to go to the big dance all four years, which is great. Some can't even say they did. Some people don't even experience the big dance one time. And you were able to go there four times. Your freshman year, you went to the Elite Eight. And your senior year, you also went to the Elite Eight. So could you just talk to me about some of the, some of your tournament experiences? Man, those were some of the great times that, you know, I had, I was, like you said, I was blessed to play, you know, with a program that was, you know, nationally known for a long time with Patrick Jordan and those guys, you know, putting the school on the map. 
and you know they sort of created and built some kind of culture around inner city so I was I was blessed to be a part of that but my experiences was tremendous in playing with some of the players that I played with you know from Reggie Williams to you know Charles Smith to Alonzo Mourning to Deacon Ken Tombo. I, I mean it's been a, it's been a joyful ride okay most definitely most definitely so as you just touched on a little bit, you went to Georgetown at the height of Georgetown when Georgetown was really making a lot of noise and when it was, you know, getting a lot of recruits and you played for the legendary coach, John Thompson. Just talk to me real quick about what it was like to play for the legendary coach himself. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, you see, I'm laughing already. <laughs> I, I, I would say it was very interesting for me because, you know, I kind of grew up in his house. Okay. So for me to see one side of him, meaning seeing the father side of him being at home as opposed to seeing the coach side and seeing him in the gym was definitely night and day for me. And I had no idea what I was really embarking on um, once I decided to attend Georgetown University. And I do remember him saying that you know, once I committed to him, because actually there's a story behind it if I have a little bit of time to. Okay, yeah, then I'm sure, the sure the audience would love to hear it. <laughs> well, I, I, as you mentioned earlier, that, you know, I was a Gonzaga guy, graduated from Gonzaga, was, you know, was highly recruited, was a McDonald's All-American. Um, so I had the opportunity to, you know, to pretty much go to any school around the country. But, mm -hmm. you know, my four schools that I had um, that were on my list was North Carolina was number one. Uh, North Carolina was number two. North Carolina was number three. And Georgetown was number four. Okay. So I know you sitting there saying, wow, wow. how did you end up at Georgetown? And, uh, yeah. and you had one school that's your top three. And, <laughs> you know, when the late Dean Smith and the current coach, Roy Williams, came in into my home, uh, and my dad, I remember him asking, you know, the late Dean Smith, what's the graduation percentage of your minority athletes? Mm -hmm. And I don't remember what the number was, but the number was was low. And then I remember him asking, well, what's the graduation percentage of your athletes as a whole? So again, I don't remember what the number was, but I do know that the number wasn't pleasing for my, to my dad's ear. Right. So I said, man, I need to stop this ball from rolling down the hill. You know, this snowball is getting bigger and bigger. So I said, hey, Dad, I say, hey, that's enough. You know, most of those guys end up you know, going hardship. So maybe that's the reason why, you know, the numbers are not pleasing to your ears. And I just remember my dad saying, you know, I don't give a damn about hardship. I care about you graduating. Right. So right then and there, I knew, Georgetown, here I come. Wow. So... Yeah, so that's the story how I ended up at Georgetown. So then once I decided to to make that clear that I was going to go to Georgetown, so you know, Ronnie Thompson, who was my childhood friend and a teammate, you know, I remember calling him probably around 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. He can, he can verify this for you if you ever get him on the show. <laughs> I, I would definitely say, love to do that too. <laughs> I said, I said hey, hey, Ronnie, your dad home. He was like, nah, he's not here. I said, hey, you know what time he'd be home? He said, maybe 12.30, 12 o'clock, 12.30. So I said, hey, tell your father I'm coming. <laughs> so he's like, man, you better call back and tell him yourself. <laughs> so I ended up calling him back a little later and, and had telling him, you know, telling Coach Thompson that, you know, 
I would like to attend Georgetown University. And he asked me, how many visits did you get? I said, uh, you get five visits at the time. I don't know if it's still the same or not. Mm-hmm. But official visits, I should say. Right. And 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 um, he said, have you taken any visits? I said, no, I haven't taken any visits. So he said, well, I think you should take some of your visits. And he hung up on me. <laughs> so I was like, man. So I visited Villanova. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Roy Massimino was the coach. I can't remember who, I don't know if it was Doug West or anyone else. I can't remember exactly who it was. That was old. But I had a good time at Villanova. And uh, called Coach back. Still had my heart set on going to Holy Land. And I said, Coach, <laughs> uh, I took a visit and um, I still would like to attend Georgia University. So, I'm not going to get too explicit on here because I don't know what your ratings are in terms of <laughs> kids are. Listen, but I'm just going to say that uh, he, had, he said to me, uh, how many visits do you take? I said, one. He said, well, how many visits do you get? I said, five. He said, son, and I'm keeping it really clean, son, can you blankly, blank, explicit, split it count? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I said, well, yes. I said, well, I think you need to take the rest of those visits now, other than me again. <laughs> so I'm like, man, this joke is crazy. So took another visit. I think it was in Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um, forgive me, UCLA, I believe it was. Oh wow! And I tried to go to Hawaii, but they knew I wasn't going to come there, so that didn't happen. Right. So then I um, called Coach back. Hey, Coach. Took my visit. I said, but before, before you hang up on me, um, I only took three visits in total. I know I have a total of five, two left. But there's nowhere else I want to go. And if I'm taking these visits, I'm only just taking just to satisfy you in terms of how many I have to take. Right. And he, and he said to me, well, you know it's going to be like playing for your father. And it didn't resonate mm-hmm. at the moment. And um, and he told me to be quiet. Don't say nothing to nobody. I tell you when you can announce it. So uh, when I was able to announce it is when um, the night of the Capitol Classic that I played back in 86. And that's when I was uh, able to announce that I was you know, going to be attending Georgia University. So, now we're getting into, you asked me the question of what was it like playing for Coach Thompson. So, mm-hmm. you just got a, a tip of the iceberg right, of what yeah. I was about to embark on. Mm-hmm. But I can say that, man, my four years there was great. Yes, he was hard on Yes, my name was not the government name of Mark Tillman. It was the MoFo name, but everybody <laughs> took out MoFo. And... Um, I just remember I remember it was the first day or second day of practice and he was cussing somebody out cussing somebody out I'm like man who who we talking to and I'm looking around looking around and we finally locked eyes and he said Mofo I am talking to you oh man and I said whoa this dude is off the charts <laughs> and I was used to that because, you know, I was I, I grew up kind of tough. My dad was tough on me, which he knew. Um, for those who don't know, you probably didn't know, my dad played professional football. Uh-huh. I played the Jackson State. So I, I, I grew up understanding 
you know, what it would be like to play with a tough coach because I had a tough dad that was on me. They didn't force me to play sport, mm-hmm. but he never really, if I started something, I couldn't quit. Okay, yeah. So, that's a good dad that's, right there. Right, and that's, and that's life. Mm-hmm, that's and, definitely life. And, and, and I knew for a fact that when my father coached me growing up, that, hey, I will never play for him ever again. Ever. And, but it taught me a valuable lesson and, and it prepared me for today and, and I'm thankful of what he's done and prepared me for and as well as Coach Thompson that he's taught me a, an awful lot um, by me playing with him and, you know it's just not just about basketball obviously it's also about you graduating but you know he teaches you real life experiences and and, I, and I'll give you one more then we can we can move on I just remember I was like, you might be too young to know about what happened when Jimmy DeGleek at the time when his day like when I was in school he was a broadcast mm-hmm. and he talked about how he believed and thought that um, black men were bred like horses mm-hmm. you know we got the big legs mm-hmm. and we were fast strong and can jump and you know he ended up getting a lot of heat from that attention right. and possibly even fired and we had something that was called a mental practice um, one day, and what that is, that coach would sit everybody down in the gym, and he would just, just talk about life. And he asked everybody, one by one, what did they what they thought about Jimmy the Greek's statement that he made. Mm-hmm. And everyone had, and I was sitting in the middle of the pack, so leading up to me, everyone gave an opinion. And it's just an opinion. And it doesn't make it right or wrong. But at the end of the day, when he got to me, he said, well, do you think about what you said, Creek said? And I said, man, I don't know. Right. <laughs> 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 so, man, I, I, I received probably one of the worst cussing out in my entire career. I there. bet. I can only imagine. And, right. And, and one of the things that he said that, Resonates to the day because I can repeat pretty much verbatim what he said. You know, is that you guys, all you want to do is go around reading your own press clippings. They could be bombing the world tomorrow, but all you want to do is read the sports section, but not read anything else. But at the end of the day, is that you should have an opinion about something because it doesn't make you right or wrong if you have an opinion. Right, right. We're all entitled to one. Yeah, so that was a teaching moment for me. Mm-hmm. And I drew back on those experiences. And, you know, after I got out of school, I had, I had wrote him a letter. And um, I sent it to him and told him, thank you. And this was years after I was out of school. Mm-hmm. And told him, thank you for getting on me about that because then I was in the world of broadcast. So again, you, you obviously are drawing on experiences when you broadcasting because you have the knowledge you've been there you've done that but also there's going to be some times where you know you're going to have an opinion about certain things that mm-hmm. happen throughout the course of the game and that just taught me a valuable lesson that you know you just don't read your own press clip and just don't read the sports section but more importantly read what's going on around the world and, and around you absolutely and I understood the, and I understood the message absolutely. and so he wasn't just a, a tough coach he was also an educator, and I appreciate that, you know, from him. Wow, that's that's deep. That's deep. So, 
Talk to me about playing with guys like Reggie Williams, Jaron Jackson Sr., you know, of course, Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo. Just talk to me about what it was like to play alongside those guys, you know, on and off the court. Well, obviously, you know, off the court is always Joe City. So, you know, when you've got a bunch of guys together from different backgrounds, and, you know, when you start hearing certain music, the way certain guys dress, and, you know, it's always Joe City. So you already know, being from the DMV, that, you know, we, we got the best in dress. We got the best in style and the music, you know, the ladies, you know, it's everything. Mm-hmm. But, but, but in terms of being on the court for some of the guys that you named, uh, from Reggie Williams, um, Reggie's probably the best player I've ever played with in my entire life. Wow. And there was nothing that this man could not do. And, I mean, I tell him to this day, he knows this. And uh, I just remember we were all fresh and they used to say we was ready to the miracles, but you know, I always tell the media, I'm not a miracle. Mm-hmm. There's, a reason, there's a reason why I'm here, but Reggie took a bunch of freshmen and sophomores to the Elite Eight. Yeah, that's huge. Which we probably should have gotten to the Final Four. And whatever, if we needed a bucket, he got it. If we needed a steal, he got it. If he needed a rebound, he got it. If he needed to make a free throw, he got it. I mean, this dude did everything that he needed to do in order for us to win. I think we maybe only lost three games that year. Um, I want to say five, but I don't even think it was five. It might have been three. I know we lost to Providence in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, which is hard to be the team three times. Yeah, definitely. In any you know, sport. It, it's definitely hard to be the three. Yeah, and, you know, they had Billy Donovan, um, Pop Lewis, um, Delray Brooks. You know, they, they were very good. In that. And the coach was Rick Pitino. And he was one of the orchestrators of using that three-point line. And that's what they did. They would take 50 to 63 a game. And really in that particular game, they switched it up. You know, instead of them driving all the way in and kicking all the way back out, mm-hmm. he'll go all the way in for the layup. So, you know, it's great scouting on them. Um, but Reggie's probably the best player I've ever played with. I think Alonzo is probably the most tenacious player that I've played with. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was a workaholic. Um, didn't back down, didn't fear anything. Um, and the Ken Bay, you know, when he got there, you know, maybe a year after, uh, obviously, he had to learn the game, and he didn't know. I didn't think that Kimmy would turn into the player that he turned out to be. Wow! I figured he would. I figured that he would get to that next level mm-hmm. because, you know, he was raw, and he was coming into a situation where he's playing for a coach who was a big man and who understood and knew how to develop a big man. Yeah, that's definitely but, key. I'm sorry. I said that's definitely key. Yes, and so. Again, I figured he would get, because he can run. That's one mm. thing he could definitely do. Um, coordination kind of wasn't there at the time. I mean, you know, people like me, Charles Smith, we all used to block his shot. <laughs> but we knew that day was going to come when he learned how to spread those eagles and lay the ball high keep it over the rim. But to watch these guys during the summertime get better day in and day out by playing against each other, Alonzo and Dikembe, and how they were always arguing cheat against McKinley's one of the cheatingest persons outside of Charles Smith. <laughs> McKinley's one of the cheatingest persons that I ever been on the floor with. <laughs> I mean, this guy, man, I tell you, he, he was ridiculous. But but to watch him and Alonzo battle day in, and that's how McKinley ended up 
becoming a very good player because you know when you going against Alonzo and the Patrick Mules came back, mm-hmm. you know even some of the some of the younger guys after we had left from Abello Harrington to, to Hyden White and all these big guys coming back and battling day in and day out. You have no choice but to get better if you want to be better or get talked about. Right. Iron sharpens iron. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, and, and then you talk about Jaron Jackson, who someone who who worked very hard in his craft and you know was able to get an opportunity and make the most of it and come home with a, an NBA ring and, and, and contribute when he was with San Antonio. And I can't say enough about Charles Smith. I think he's a guy that a lot of people don't know his story and his history. And Smith didn't have any scholarships. And he mm. played on the Dynamite High School team um, with Phil Gamble, who ended up going to Connecticut. Michael Besson ended up with the uh, Clemson. Bobby Winston, who went to Georgetown with us. Sam Jefferson, who went to Georgetown with us. So, he was Smith. Didn't have a scholarship offer. Coach gave him a scholarship. Coach told him that, don't you ever complain or cry about no playing time or nothing. Because you will never play here. Never played here. Told me that. Wow, I never knew that. Nobody knows that. Wow. But that's why I'm so impressed with Smitty because he worked every single day. And Smitty had talent. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. He had talent. And he worked every single day. And he made Coach play him. When his opportunities presented itself, he never looked back. And mm-hmm. Smitty turned himself into a second team All American Big East player of the year. And got an opportunity with the Boston Celtics. So I've had the opportunity to play with some great guys on some fantastic teams. Um, the tournament, um, man, I tell you, um, I, I guess my my most disappointing tournament. Obviously, all of them are disappointing. Right? Yeah. Win. If you don't win at all, man. Um, yeah. But I, I think my, the most talented team that I played on was that '89 team my junior year. Which I probably should have reassured early that year because I ended up getting injured. But mm-hmm. you know, I played through it. But you know, we ended up losing to Duke in the final eight, mm-hmm. and we were we were so good uh, from top to bottom that I think we kind of wrapped the Big East regular season up maybe with about four or five games to go. Wow! In the regular season, and we rolled—I mean, literally rolled through the Big East tournament. And, you know, we were feeling invincible. I mean, that nobody could beat us. That's that's how we were feeling going into the NCAA tournament. But then, you know who we ended up getting in the first round? I'm sure you can tell me. I looked it up. I was doing my research earlier. It might have slipped me. It's 89? 89. Let me look at the computer right now. Don't be looking at the computer, man. Just take one wild guess. Uh, I think it, I, I feel like it was an Ivy League school because I was doing my research earlier. Yeah, it was earlier. Princeton. Okay. It was Princeton. Wow, okay. Princeton brought us down to our knees. And when you start having some doubt, it starts to wear on you mentally. Because that, that, that game went down to the final shot that Alonzo blocked. We don't know if we win it or not. Wow. But it took it down to the final shot. We ended up winning, what, 48 49, something like that? It was a slug It was 50 to 49. 50 to 49, okay. It was, it was a slug fest. And they say that's the game that saved the NCAA. You know, they didn't get stories on that on that game, but you know that 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 kind of took a lot out of us. A lot of went out of, a lot of mojo out of us. But you know, that's what the tournament is all about. 
know, sometimes you, you know, you come in, you thinking you might be, you know, Goliath, but you got that David sitting over there. Mm-hmm. And every year there's a David. I mean, you look at what happened to Virginia last year. Yep. I mean, you can you can name them every year, and, and that's a win. That is a national championship from UNBC. Basically, it is. It really is. <laughs> yeah. Think of what's the other school uh, out of Chicago? Loyola Chicago. Loyola of Chicago. Major win. They were good too. They were yeah, they were really good. And and you know people don't understand the business of sports. How when you win, your program generates. People want to attend schools that win. You know, generates income. I mean, there from talking with people who I know went to that school and, and some of the staff people who I who I know there, you know, their sales and admissions went up a thousand percent just because of how far they went to the tournament. People want to be a part of winners, but that's what the tournament does. And you know, I kind of like to see you know some Cinderellas in the tournament. And I kind of say, okay, this is gonna be a Cinderella. Uh, uh, of the tournament this year or last year and, and I know we're kind of going to get into that but you know those are kind of my experiences you know playing in a tournament that you know you it's one it's one game elimination it's no tomorrow mm-hmm. and you know you have to go out there and execute run your game plan and, and 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 believe that you're going to win but anytime there's some doubt in your mind that's set in your mind you might be setting yourself up Destruction. Mm-hmm. Totally. I think that's kind of what happened with us, you know, because we didn't play as efficiently as we have been doing throughout the whole year, run through the Big East, run through the regular season, and then we ended up drawing Princeton. We we kind of hit that roller coaster once we got into the NCAA tournament. Wow! Wow! Great stuff! Great stuff! So let's talk about this year's tournament before I let you go. So, what are some of your sleeper teams? I know we talked a little bit off air. What are your sleeper teams and players you want to watch out for in this tournament? Well, as I, as I mentioned to you earlier, I, I hadn't, unfortunately this year, that I hadn't gotten the opportunity to watch as much college basketball as I normally do because of the kids and traveling with those guys. Mm-hmm. But I've had the opportunity to watch, and I'm not just being biased saying this, is um, watching Seton Hall this year. Okay. Um, towards the end of the season, some of the things that they've done, um, Georgetown actually was lucky to beat them at the end of the, the season, at the end of the year, but they had some big, impressive wins, and you know, I watched them um, throughout the Big East tournament and how they took, you know, down Villanova down to the to the to the wire. Mm-hmm. And I said, this could be a very scary team because if you got good guard play. Right, I always say that if you have good guard playing the tournament. <laughs> if you got good guard playing the tournament, man, I mean, you can go very deep into the tournament, very deep. You know, it's not you know basketball now is becoming a positionless sport. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no more big men. Big men are shooting threes now. Yep. You know, they call them stretch forwards. You know, so you know now they call them. They, they're not saying that you can play point guard. You a combo guard. Mm-hmm. You can switch up and play both. So, I mean, I, from what I've seen just from that little bit, I don't know about a lot of the other teams out there because I haven't had an opportunity to do any research and watch a lot of games like I normally do. Uh-huh. This is like a, this is like the first year that I've really never watched that many college basketball. But 
from the little bit that I saw just with a sleeper, I would say, and it would probably be, you know, see Hall. Okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, so one last question before I let you go. I'm a huge Duke fan. So oh I want to know. Oh my God! Why am I giving you an interview? <laughs> you were the master dude. Now you want to tell me you a Duke guy? Uh, oh, you're killing me today. <laughs> but go ahead. I'm, I have to finish it up. Go ahead. I, I can't help it, it. I can't help it. So you can't help it. I got you. I can't I help you. it. So um. Well, I really started liking Duke when Quinn Cook got there, and I just started following him ever since then. So, you know. No, Quinn Cook very well. Never the math guy, okay? Mm-hmm. Never the math guy. So, but I know Quinn very well. He's a great guy. I love him. Yeah, so. So, um, I'll give you that pass. Okay. <laughs> so, what you think? Uh, what do you think about Duke, and what do you think of Zion Williamson, you know, all those guys? What do you think of their chances in the tournament? I, I tell you, they have a very good. Looking at their bracket. Um. I think they have a very good chance of getting there. Um, and, and then in terms of Zion, I mean, the few times that I have seen him play, especially towards church of this tournament, and just watching how he doesn't take a lot of shots. He lets the game come to him. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you don't even realize he has 28, 30 points, which is amazing to me. You know, he's, yeah. playing, he's, playing, a, he's playing alongside another gunslinger who doesn't like the shot he's never you know he, he, shoots, the, he shoots the ball reckless he to be out there <laughs> but <laughs> but I like RJ Barrett he, he's very talented yep um, I think that if they can get Cam Reddish to even step up his game just somewhat in the tournament with the, all the things that he can shoot the deep ball he got a mid-range game and, you know if they can get that third piece um, I think they're going to be tough to take down but you know with that that mystique of Zion but I'm just here to tell you if they get that scare um, with those young guys they're young guys I know they've been battle tested throughout the year but now with one game you go home yep. so they never experienced a tournament before yeah and we've seen Duke teams face a lot of adversity in the tournament the one year they lost to Lehigh the one year they lost to Mercer yep. um, DCU yep. you can go down the line and yeah you them. can go down the line so I don't know who that team would be, but if they get it scared, that's when you see where the mental toughness comes in. If they can withstand that scare, if they come out with the victory. But um, I mean, I like what I see. I think that if I'm playing against Duke, I think that I'm trying to play a zone against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, them beat, I was thinking, make I was them thinking that me too. Over the, make me meet me over the top. You got to beat me over the top. Mm-hmm. You know, I may I might show some flashes of man to man. But I'm gonna make you beat me over the top. And but um, I like Tennessee. Yeah, I like Tennessee too. They're uh, they got a lot of upperclassmen. Yeah, and, and and that's the key now in the tournament. I mean, you have. I mean, look at Loyola Chicago. They they were like all seniors. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, they had a lot of upperclassmen too. Buffalo was good. Buffalo could be a sleeper. Mm-hmm. I've seen them play early in the year. They got all seniors out there. So I think that's definitely going to matter in the tournament because they've seen it all. They've been through it. Um, but um, but I understand that you like Duke to win it all. But I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see who wins. I think they should, they're probably favored to win it, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Same here. Same here. Well, I just I really want to thank you for your time, Mark. Uh, I just want to thank you for coming on. I really, really appreciate it. Again, shout out to Xavier Red for hooking this up. 
And I really thank you for your time and just thanks for everything that you shared, those stories you told. You know, some were very touching, but I really, really appreciate your time. Thanks a lot for coming on. Hey, no problem. If there's anything else I can do for you, man, you got my number. Just reach out to me. You know, I'll respond right back as quickly as I can. Yeah, you do. You do respond quick. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) You got to stay professional, man. You got to try to stay professional. I try to get back to everybody. My phone rings 24-7 nonstop. So, uh... So I definitely try to get back, especially with what you're doing. I'm, whatever I can do to try to help you promote what you're doing, I'm, I'm here to help you. Okay, thanks a lot, man, Mark. Uh, we'll definitely talk soon. I really appreciate you coming on again. Thanks a lot. All right, take care. All right. So that was fun. You know, getting to talk to Mark Tillman, I want to thank him again for coming on the show. I had a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that interview. But now we're going to transition to, well, I could talk a little NCAA. I mean, I'm kind of... A lot of the stuff that Mark said is how I feel about the tournament. Uh, The tournament is always often filled with a ton of surprises. And there's always that one Cinderella team. My bracket probably will not be able to predict that. But, you know, I'm rolling with Duke. I picked Duke in my bracket. But I think I got Duke and North Carolina in the championship in my bracket, actually. But there are some teams out there that I do like. I've been hearing a lot of noise about Houston. I do like Tennessee. I think they're a good ball club. You got to always look out for teams that are good historically in the tournament. You got Michigan State. Tom Izzo always has a good team in the tournament. You got uh, Villanova is always going to be a good team. But I just don't know. I'm really just excited just to watch and see what happens and enjoy the festivities as a fan because this is one of the best times of the year. It literally is. I love, love March. October is another one of my favorite months, but... I really love March Madness and I love the NCAA tournament because you never know what can happen. Anybody can be beat on any given day. We've seen that time in and time out. So it definitely can't happen. But I'm going to transition into my next segment, which I know you guys been dying to hear me talk NFL free agency. And it's definitely, definitely been a wild, wild free agency and even trades. Just a wild offseason. I'll put it that way. Free agency hasn't been as wild, but the trades, that's been crazy. So, I got to talk. It's, I got to talk with the trade everybody wants me to talk about first. It is Odell Beckham Jr. going to the Cleveland Browns. Wow, wow, wow. I I can't even believe it. Odell Beckham, one of my favorite players in the National Football League. I call him Goat Dale. <laughs> call him Goat Dale. If you see me under uh, pictures on Instagram, I say Goat Dale in all caps. But I love me some Odell. He's a talented receiver. We are now seeing players getting traded in the prime of their career in back-to-back what off-seasons. Khalil Mack got traded in his prime. Odell Beckham Jr. We saw two top three wide receivers get traded. And Odell Beckham Jr. is in his prime. This is a guy that's still 26 years of age. And he has a, he has a few health concerns. Uh, he had a you know, hamstring coming in. Did get hurt last year and the year before that. But from a talent perspective, Odell Beckham is, you know, a generational talent. You just don't trade a guy like this. You don't sign him to a big long-term extension, made him the highest paid wide receiver, and trade him. You just don't do that. Dave Gettleman, I feel bad for Giants fans. Zeke, I know you're listening, bro. I feel really, really bad for you. I've been feeling bad for you for days now, and... It's just unfortunate. Odell, I love Odell. I know you loved Odell. You went to go see him play. And I feel bad, but Odell Beckham gets to team up with this boy, 
Jarvis Landry, along with Baker Mayfield, along with Kareem Hunt when he comes back from the eight-game suspension. They still got Nick Chubb Rock. They got David Njoku, talented defense. Miles Garrett is there. They did also get former New York Giant Olivier Vernon. I touched on that last episode. And they got Denzel Ward, who was an, who played at a very high level as a rookie. And they got some pieces. They got some dudes on that defensive line and just all over the defense. They got, they got some nice talent. So shout out to the Browns. I did say about a month ago that I had them going to the playoffs. I definitely have them going to the playoffs now. They pulled off such a spectacular move. Got to give credit when credit is due to general manager John Dorsey for making such an aggressive move and going after Odell. And, you know, a first and what, a third and Jabril Peppers? No-brainer to me. I didn't know Odell was on the market for that. I would have definitely did it in a heartbeat. So I really wanted to touch on that. Another move I wanted to talk about was a move that a lot of people thought, and myself, I thought this was going to happen, was Antonio Brown getting traded to the Oakland Raiders. And the Raiders didn't have to give up a ton. I believe it was a third and a fifth, something like that. And I thought the key for the Raiders was being able to keep all three of their first-round picks. They didn't have to give up not one, not even a second for Antonio Brown, who is still the top receiver in the league. You know, he is getting up there in age. So I thought it was key for them. And, you know, they didn't give up a ton of assets for him, a third and a fifth. You know, that's great for Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown will turn 31 in July, but I still think he has some good years ahead of him. And I don't know if the Raiders will make too much noise. Their division is tough. We, we did have the Chiefs and the Chargers that make the playoffs, and they both had double-digit wins. I believe the Chiefs were 13-3, and three, Chargers 12-4. and four. And the Broncos, they're always... They're going to be, you know, they're going to, their Broncos are always going to be decent. I'll say that like six and 10, seven and nine. They're always going to be decent. And, you know, they have a good organization. I don't think John always the best, you know, GM or whatever he is president of football operations, but Broncos are always, they have an always decent team. And then, you know, you got the Raiders. I don't know, you know, what's their identity. You do have Derek Carr, Antonio Brown. They're trying to make some slight moves. I'm going to be interested to see if they can hit on their draft picks, especially their three first this draft. That's going to be key for them. But Antonio Brown finally gets out of Pittsburgh. That era is over. And, you know, shout out to AB for finally getting getting out of there, getting traded. He's going to be in Oakland. Then, you know, the Raiders are moving to Las Vegas the following year. So, great news. Then, another trade we had, which was, I don't know if it was my favorite or not, but Deshaun Jackson is my favorite player in football. I love Deshaun Jackson. Tyreek Hill is another one of my favorite players. Odell Beckham, Jalen Ramsey. I love those guys. Ezekiel Elliott, very talented. I like Le'Veon Bell. Mahomes, of course. How could I forget Patrick LeVon Mahomes II? But Deshaun Jackson has been my guy for a long time. Actually, I have the pleasure of knowing his older sister, and she's real good friends with my mom. So we talk, you know, here and there about Deshaun, you know, how he's doing and stuff like that. But I've always been a big fan of Deshaun Jackson. And, you know, he's the best deep threat. The numbers say he's the best deep threat ever. Uh, most touchdowns over like 60 yards. He has about 24, something like that. Something something ridiculous. And for him to get, get back to Philadelphia... Where he was deadly, where he was coming off his best year before he was released by Chip Kelly and the Eagles because of alleged gang affiliations, and he gets to be back 
I think it's great. I think it's a no-brainer. No-brainer trade for the Eagles to make to get Deshaun Jackson. They traded for him, didn't give up too much, gave up late-round draft picks. And they also gave him an extension. So I think that's a great weapon for Carson Wentz. You know, Alshon Jeffrey's still there. Zach Ertz is still there. They still have Aguilar, who sucks, but he's still there. And they need a running back, though. I will say that. They do need a back, but... The Eagles are good. You know, the rich got richer. They got Malik Jackson now. Fletcher Cox is still there. Still have a good defense. They'll probably win the NFC East next year. I love what the Eagles did. They were aggressive getting Deshaun Jackson, one of my favorite players in the National Football League. Great move. And then we could talk about the other free agent signers. We had Landon Collins getting signed by the Washington Redskins. A team that I used to be a fan of. But not for real. I, I do I still got some love for the Redskins. A lot of people were getting mad at the Redskins for the big contract, but I say this. They kind of have to do it. They kind of have to give out big deals to certain players because it's the Redskins. Who wants to pull in their right mind wants to play for the Redskins? Like, for real. Who, who wants to play there by choice? <laughs> I mean, for real. Like, the culture is bad. Organization bad. But Landon Collins gets to play for the Redskins in D.C. His idol was Sean Taylor. And I thought it was great, great story. Dan Snyder gave Landon Collins a signed game-worn Sean Taylor jersey. That's great. I don't think he should wear 21. He should probably wear 36. That would be great. He can still play the position, still play safety, and still honor him by wearing 36. I don't think anybody should wear number 21 ever again. That's just me. But I like the move for the Redskins. A lot of people say he's a box safety. Not really the greatest cover safety, but I think he'll be fine. At least I'm hoping so. I think he'll be fine. I do like the move for the Redskins. Also, re-sign Adrian Peterson. We know about them acquiring Case Keenum. Interesting offseason for the Redskins. I do not like that Eric Flowers move, though, whatsoever. I do not. But, hey, guess it's not even a guarantee that he will make the roster. So, it is what it is on that. We also saw Le'Veon Bell signing with the New York Jets. I thought he was going to reset the market and set the market high for running backs, but he he didn't do that. He did sign a good deal with the Jets. I like the move for the Jets. Sam Donald is still there. Young QB. They also got CJ Mosley, which I thought was a good move as well. I don't think the Jets will be good. They were 4-12 last year. Maybe Le'Veon adds on three more wins to their record. I don't know. 7-9 is probably their ceiling. But, hey, he got out of Pittsburgh. He got paid. So, great for Le'Veon. And then we also saw Earl Thomas going to the Ravens. Nice move there. After the Ravens let some people walk, Eric Weddle they released. They also released, or they also let Terrell Suggs go. They also let C.J. Mosley go. And they signed Earl Thomas, which I thought was a really good move. One of the best ball hawking safeties in the league. If he can come back healthy and remain healthy, I think it's a great signing for Baltimore. You also saw Tyran Matthew, the Honey Badger, go to the Kansas City Chiefs, which I thought was a good move. Chiefs let Eric Berry go. They got the Honey Badger. And, you know, a nice piece on that defense. They also let D. Ford go to the 49ers. Also released Justin Houston, who's still out there, one of the best pass rushers in football. Don't know what's going to happen with him. But I like the Honey Badger move as well. And kind of feel like I'm forgetting something. I do. There's a lot of moves out there. 
But I really want to highlight the major moves that happened. Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, Deshaun Jackson. Uh, it's been a lot of little moves. Ryan Tannehill to the Titans as a backup. Ryan Fitzpatrick to the Dolphins. Maybe I'm just not thinking super hard about it. Let me see. Uh, Trey Flowers left the Patriots and went to the Lions. Nick Foles signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like that move. Anthony Barr stays with the Vikings. KJ Wright stays with the Seahawks. Sheldon Richardson went to the Browns. Another good move for the Browns as well. Uh, former Redskin Preston Smith went over to Green Bay. LaMarcus Joyner went over to the Raiders. Zadarius Smith, the Packers. My guy Tevin Coleman signed with the 49ers. Reunites with former offensive coordinator when Kyle Shanahan was in Atlanta. I like that move. And uh, Ronald Darby stayed with the Eagles. There's a lot of interesting moves out there. But that's all I got for you guys, honestly. I just want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank all you guys for the continued love and support. I had a lot of fun doing this episode. It was great. To episode 80. I want to thank special thanks to Mark Tillman for the episode. Special shout out to Xavier Red for setting that up. But I really want to thank all you guys that's been riding with me for this long haul, this long journey. I really love you guys. I do, from the bottom of my heart. I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you guys. A big shout out to B. Jones, who's been rocking with me. Co-producer, big shout out to him. Shout out to everybody that's believed in me. My mom, my dad. Shout out to my bro, Sean, who was the main guy that told me to start a podcast. I wouldn't have done it without him. And I just really want to thank everybody that's been rocking with me from day one. And... Now, thank you to all my new followers, too, as well. I really appreciate appreciate you guys, too. All the feedback, all the love, and the continued support. And a big shout-out to my assistant who helps make my graphics. Uh, Brene, she's done a fabulous job. But I really want to thank everybody for listening. This is Mike Curry signing out one last time. Episode number 80 is done. Peace. Thank you guys for rocking with me.